Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, well, tonight's and this morning's First and Pod is going to be a little different. Thanks for hanging out with us. Coming to you after Commanders and Giants. Controversial ending. I'm Danny Parkin. Subscribe, rate, review. Andrew Filipponi went to Carolina for Steelers-Panthers. And we don't know where he is. We had heard from him. We had been texting. He had commented on the rundown. Now he's a damn no-show. So I'm going to go solo, at least until he joins. No big deal. Again, subscribe, rate, review every team, every week, every game. We had a triple header on Saturday. We'll go quick on those games at the end. But uh, starting with Sunday Night Football, few things. It doesn't ever matter, but the NFL clearly has an officiating problem. Uh, sports often have an officiating problem, right? We have more information at home on our HD TVs than they do in the building because we get a replay on every play and sports doesn't. And I think that there's a real argument that instant replay has had unintended consequences that have made it not worse overall. Like I'll still take the benefit of writing the egregious wrongs when it happens, but it's not so overwhelmingly positive that it's not even a debate. And in the Raiders game, Keelan Cole, Was that a touchdown or not? I have no idea. And the best angle we saw of that play looked like it was from a camera positioned to top the Bellagio. And then the last two plays of Sunday Night Football, Terry McLaurin checks with the side judge on the touchdown. They would have put him down two with the two-point conversion pending. Twice, nothing from the side judge to confirm that he was on the line of scrimmage. They snap the ball, immediately throw a flag. 
I know it's ultimately McLaurin's responsibility, but like check with me, check with me. You see it all the time. You see, you see every play. And there was some sort of miscommunication there, though replay showed McLaurin clearly was trying to communicate with the side judge. And then there's a blatant pass interference that isn't called at the end of the game. I, I do think the right team won. I thought the Giants deserved it and overall outplayed them over the four quarters, even though I thought that Washington was the better team coming in. But I mean, that's a massive game for in or out NFC playoffs. I don't think either team has a shot at winning in the NFC playoffs. And frankly, I don't really want to see either team in the playoffs. I'd certainly much rather see Detroit, Seattle scuffling uh, a bit. So you can't make as strong of an argument for my guy, Geno Smith anymore, but I really want Detroit uh, to get into the playoffs. Those two teams, not terribly exciting though. I will say tonight's game was more entertaining uh, than I thought it would be just, I mean, Dotson on Washington made some unbelievable catches. Saquon had a huge game and then Thibodeau man, as a, you know, as a first round pick as a top five pick, like what was it? 12, 12 tackles, three tackles for loss. As Mike Tirico called it the grand slam. He had the sack, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery and the touchdown uh, all on one play. And he made the crazy tackle uh, on Heineke to stop him inside the five-yard line when he was going in after he had dropped into coverage. So, like, uh, he's an amazing athlete. And, uh, you know, we talk about the talent overall on the Giants roster having a ways to go. But that dude looks like a foundational future perennial pro bowler uh, type of piece. So, more entertaining game than I thought. Still would rather see Detroit in the postseason over any of those teams and horrid, horrid, horrid officiating uh, were my takeaways from Sunday Night Football. Obviously, we'll be going faster through these games uh, without Pony. So we can start with the other game that I just mentioned there, uh, given that it was the other game with a really weird officiating moment today on that Keelan Cole play. Raiders-Patriots. I mean, other than the cold touchdown that maybe was maybe wasn't it's one of the craziest endings ever and one of the dumbest endings ever and I don't know if it was a big enough game uh for it to be referenced like Leon Lett when he dropped the ball before crossing the end zone but a lot of the regional action had cut away and so people were kind of catching that game and then obviously red zone and now we just live in a highlight society and it was the Patriots and a Belichick coach team like Jacoby Myers credit for speaking to the media. He said he was just trying to make a play. He said he knew the game was tied. He said he knew that the, you know, the instructions were not to lateral. He just tried to be a hero. If he's like, I saw Mac Jones. I thought he was open. Dude, you were thrown to the slowest guy on the field, 55 yards away from the end zone. Like what was Mac Jones going to do? Do a forward pass. Belichick said that he couldn't he didn't call for the Hail Mary there because he couldn't even reach the end zone from where the ball was snapped like what were you doing it was one of the most dumbfounding decisions ever and it'll be remembered as such but I did think this was interesting when we talk about mistakes uh, penalties turnovers boneheaded errors like that and I'm saying when we talk about it, I'm talking about people in the media, it often is like, well, they're a poorly coached team. 
they get a lot of penalties or, you know, in basketball, they're a poorly coached team. They commit a lot of fouls or they're a poorly managed team. They commit a lot of errors. And that always bothers me because it's like, do, do you think the the manager instructed him to not field the ball cleanly at short? Like, I understand that you got to teach fundamentals. You got to teach positional, fundamentally sound defense in basketball and game planning and all that stuff. I get it. But I love that one of the dumbest plays we've ever seen in football happened to a Bill Belichick coach team. And after the game, he's like, yeah, we talk about situational football every week. That wasn't the play. Obviously, we got to do a better job at it. We'll do better next week. But he knows that is 100% on the player. Like that is, We can make all the Patricia jokes we want and the Joe Judge jokes and the Patriots coaching staff and this Bill lost a step or whatever the case, bad general manager. He's nothing without Tom Brady. Bill Belichick knows the rules and he coaches his teams to be situationally smart. Like, But that play was just, it was on the player. And it's not in any way a reflection of the coaching staff. But I think that we often make it a reflection of the coaching staff when we talk about it. Jaguars-Cowboys is the other game that ended in a walk-off, right? So Chandler Jones gets that weird play that that ends the game for the Raiders. And then Jaguars were down 27-10. Storm all the way back. Force overtime. Win the coin toss. Go three and out. And then force the pick six uh, of Dak Prescott. 40-34. Jaguars ponies not even on to stunt we said on the last pod that we were going to do a mutually agreed upon on every Thursday pod after Thursday night football we're going to pick some a bet for the Sunday slate that we can either eat crow on or or brag on on Sunday and uh, his recommendation we agreed settled on Jaguars money line at plus 175 so 1-0 Spencer if you can keep track of this uh over the rest of the season and through the playoffs would very much appreciate it, but we're up 1.75 units already. 1-0 on the bet. Very nice. And I uh, thought this was cool. Rayshon Jenkins, the guy who had the pick six, I, I saw what he said after the game. He said he had never had a pick six uh, in the pros, in college, in high school, not even in peewee football. So his first ever pick six is against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys in a walk-off in overtime uh, to win the game, which is pretty unbelievable. And he had a uh, he had an unbelievable day overall. 18 tackles and two interceptions for Rayshon Jenkins. No one in NFL history has ever done it. So that was just great. And uh, it was a cool moment for him. He clearly just like true like childlike joy uh for the moment that he had in that spot and then Trevor Lawrence just continues his ascent we were talking about quarterback prospects to build franchises around and I thought that Lawrence and Fields who have been competing against each other since like the sixth grade uh as prospects out of Georgia you know Fields is amazing today again with nothing around them against the Eagles and I'll talk about him at length when we get to that game but Trevor Lawrence is just the second half of this year man he is just He's on a heater, and that dude has a rocket arm. It's like that old Peyton Manning commercial, like 6'5", lays a rocket arm. 
Uh, he just looks like a franchise quarterback. And uh, if you were in any DFS contest today, I hope you stacked him and Zay Jones, who had three of the touchdowns. So monster second half comeback, long drives orchestrated uh, by Trevor Lawrence. Pretty impressive. And you just feel like Jacksonville, six and eight. They won't make the playoffs in the AFC, but clearly trending in the right direction and have a good offseason, another year of development, continuity for Lawrence in Peterson's system. I always think that like that second year in a system for a young quarterback is so big. He just has to eliminate uh, the bad turnovers in bad spots. Like he's thrown way too many red zone area interceptions this year, but still think that dude is very, very impressive. All right, so that's Sunday Night Football and Jaguars, Cowboys, and Pats, Raiders. Uh, Lions, Jets, to me, was the most interesting X's and O's game uh, coming coming into the day. And I honestly, I, I thought it kind of lived up to it. It was it was not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, the, the entire time. But, like, so I was thinking about, like, the question was going to be just, like, what did we learn? given that it was the X's and O's matchup of the day, right? The the Jets defense against the Lions offense. couple of things. Quinn and Williams not playing clearly matters a lot, but it was still an under, and it was still a really low-scoring game, right? 20, 20 to 17. So I thought that that speaks very well to just like the overall Jets defense. Like a couple of trends held, right? The Jets – their defense has been great. They held the Bills to 20 or less in uh, you know two of their last five games coming in. And so that trend continues. This is a, a loss where they only scored 20 points. And now the Jets have some real work to do uh, in the AFC playoff picture. But also the Lions, just their offense, much worse uh, away from home. So that was the type of thing where that, that was another trend that continued. And even without Quinn and Williams – the Lions who have been so productive on the ground with DeAndre Swift as like the home run hitter and Jamal Williams with, you know, 14 touchdowns. I think it still is uh, on the season. They were under four yards of carry. So I thought that spoke pretty well to like the overall scheme uh, for the Jets and what the Lions uh, are not able to do away from home. And obviously they'd be playing a road playoff game if they get in and it's looking more and more, like they're going to get in. They are on just an absolute heater right now, and they're so fun, right? They, they, they've now beat the Packers, the Bears, the Giants, lost to the Bills by three, crushed the Jaguars, beat the Vikings by double digits, and then won in New York. So they've won six of seven, and it's at Carolina next week. So it's another road game, another grass field game, and another, though I guess New York is that like terrible turf. Uh, where everybody gets injured, but slows them down a little bit uh, in theory. That's at least part of the theory as to why Detroit's worse on the road, I should say. And so good defense in Carolina, then home for the Bears, horrible defense, though they, again, outperformed expectation a little bit today, and then in Green Bay to end the season. So Detroit uh, go 2-1 and one the rest of the way, get to 9-8, and eight, got a real shot. Uh, they probably would be in uh, the NFC playoffs, but then all of their – trends would be working against them um unless of course they they draw the vikings who they probably be favored over so it's a uh it's a weird spot right like lions in detroit or excuse me lions in detroit lions in san francisco feels like they'd be drawing dead lions in minnesota 
feels like they'd be a one point favorite. So pretty significant uh, range for them as like the seven seed de- or the six seed, depending on who gets the two and the three seed and like what, the- how matchup the dependent Detroit is if they get in, because just I test uh, over the course of the game felt like they outplayed the jets and the right team deserved to win. And another thing we're learning um, if anyone plays blackjack and you stay on like a low number, and then you're hoping that the dealer, because he's shown a bust card, he draws out. You know, he's got like a, a three or four or five, something like that showing. And you're hoping that he goes 10-10. And then that first card's a 10. So he's got a four showing. And now he's got a 14. And you just stayed with like a 12 or a 13. Someone at the table inevitably is going to yell out like, one time. One time. And then when that king spikes for the 24 and it pays the table, like, yeah, we hit our one time. It feels like the Lions have hit their one time like four times this year. Because Dan Campbell's got some big brass ones on him uh, with these fourth down play calls, right? And these these crazy situations. He's not quite like what Brandon Staley was last year, but the play last week to Panay Sewell and then the backside tight end screen, uh, not to TJ Hawkinson because they trade TJ Hawkinson and they start winning all these games. And it ends up being the game-winning touchdown on fourth and inches, just super aggressive and aggression being rewarded. And I know the analytical community will never, uh, you know, take a victory lap. That's not something that football nerds would do, uh, of which I count myself one of them. But it's just funny that uh, if those plays don't work, Dan Campbell is like the kneecap biting Neanderthal. And because they do work, oh, what a fun culture in Detroit. But no love for the aggression on going for it on fourth down. So I just thought that uh, I don't know how many one times he has left. Like, it's weird. Like, the Lions could finish nine and eight, make the playoffs, be everyone's darling pick to take a huge leap next year because they have the Rams pick coming back. So they'll add two first round picks to it. But they might just have like a little bit of bad luck on those 50 50 calls uh, next year or injury bad luck or whatever. And they could regress. So it's weird because like Jameson Williams looks good. He got wide open for a touchdown that they didn't connect on. Um, I feel like they've had a lot of things go their way in the last seven weeks. And they also had close losses, right? I mean, they lost to Philly by three, Minnesota by four, Seattle by three, and Miami by four. So like they, it, Detroit's in a weird spot where they're seven and seven after starting uh one and six but like a very optimistic glass half full like maybe homerish lions fan could be like yeah but we could be we could be 10 and four right now but even in this winning streak they've had some real 50 50 things go their way which is the nfl um everybody's so damn close to one another but it's just gonna be interesting when people talk about them next year uh are people gonna look at them as like a team that got lucky or a team that got unlucky, but clearly there'll be a team that finished hot. So they're going to have a ton of buzz, but I think it's been uh, a little bit of both for them this year. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes that's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Staying in the NFC North, Eagles-Bears, the game that I obviously watched the closest. Um, So I did want Pony here for this because I have a thought that is so homerish that I, I I'm like a little sheepish about it honestly it it's so I don't know man so like coming into the game a lot of the things that I had talked about on the show was how much of what Jalen Hurts is doing is a product of having a perfect situation around him He's very good, but he's not the MVP. He's not better than Pat Mahomes. He's not better than Josh Allen. Like, he deserves to get more MVP votes than Josh Allen this year, certainly, because of the turnover numbers for Allen, though uh, Hertz did have two interceptions uh, today. But great offensive line, two great receivers, offensive head coach, good running game, good tight end, awesome defense. Like, he just he's got everything going for him. Meanwhile, Justin Fields is out there throwing to Equinemius St. Brown and Byron Pringle and Nasimba Webster and Dante Pettis. And it was just like, it, it was remarkable. And again, I test. It feels so homerish to say Jalen Hurts threw for 315 yards, ran for 60, had three touchdowns, and I felt like Justin Fields was the better player. Like Justin Fields had 152 passing yards, 
no rushing touchdowns, 95 rushing yards, did have two passing touchdowns. And I felt like Fields was better than Hurts. And part of that was the interceptions. Uh, but Justin Fields had no help in this game. He was sacked six times. Anytime they dropped straight back to pass, he was constantly harassed by, um, I mean, three different dudes on the Eagles had two sacks. It was it was ridiculous, right? I can I can pull it up. It was Reddick, Reddick, Sweat, and uh, and Hargrave all had two sacks on Fields. He had a Justin Fields had a 119 passer rating against the league's best defense, constantly under pressure, throwing to a receiving core that generously had one guy, maybe who would make most playoff rosters. Like Equinemius St. Brown probably makes most teams because he's a really good blocking wide receiver. He had one catch for 20 yards. Like, I don't know. Like Justin Fields was making magic happen out there with nothing around him. And I left that game feeling like he is clearly the better talent than Jalen Hurts. Eagles are an amazing team. They can just throw the ball up. A.J. Brown, I thought Jalen Johnson had a really good game. A.J. Brown still came down with nine catches for 181 yards. Uh, Devontae Smith, five for 126. Like, Hurts is just, he's like the poker player, as I keep making casino analogies, who's just like pocket aces, pocket kings, ace king. Like, it's just, he's got everything working for him. Um, great player. I'm not saying he's not. That goal line formation that they trotted out there today where they brought in the running back and the fullback right behind them, put them under center and just telegraphed that they were going to QB sneak it. And it worked every damn time. You know, just another wrinkle to add. The Philly, they are NFC champions or bust right now. I definitely hope we get Niners Eagles because I would love to see uh, Hurts challenged by that defense. Can't wait for Eagles Cowboys next week, though I – I think Philly's gonna gonna win that game. Actually, let me pull it up. I I was looking at it earlier and I I forgot it. My apologies. One and a half. Dallas is favored by one and a half. I can tell you right now, even though Dallas needs that game more, I will be on Philadelphia. Your boy will be on Philly uh, in that game. Dallas has some flaws that that Philly just doesn't have, and I think Philly slept walk through the first 26, 27 minutes of this game against the Bears today. And uh, they certainly will not do that on Christmas Eve against the Cowboys in front of an audience of like 25 million people. So Chiefs Texans. Now we're talking about some contenders in some in some weird games like that. That game went to overtime, arguably should have been higher up uh, on on the rundown today. 30 to 24 Chiefs end up getting the win. It was it was a weird, weird, tough to explain game like I saw this tweet and I marked it from uh Ron Cop Jr. He said no game should be close when you set a season high in first downs complete 88% of passes with no interceptions rush for five and a half yards of pop between your running backs and total over 500 net yards what a weird day like think about that the Chiefs almost lost to the Texans when they played a 
game where they had 33 first downs. The Texans had 18. The Chiefs had 502 total yards. The Texans had 219. Mahomes threw five incomplete passes. And the Texans averaged less than four yards per play. And the Chiefs were over six and a half. And the Texans took them to overtime. Chiefs defense, man. They've got some real problems. And I used to cover this team. And I wish that I had a better explanation for it. I'm not as close to the situation as I am now. They didn't make like a trade deadline addition to bring in someone to help them out. And I was just a little surprised that they don't have more going for them on the defensive side of the ball. Even just like a situational edge rusher or something. They don't they don't generate any pressure. And so then teams can just kind of pick them apart. And so when you don't turn the ball over that much and you get no pass rush, teams just aren't scared of you. Like what's Cincinnati going to put up on Kansas City if they get them in the playoffs? What's Buffalo going to put up on them? And the Chiefs' offense is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Mahomes would get my MVP vote if I had one. They can win these games 45-42. They've proven it. Um, but if they don't get home field advantage throughout and they don't get the bye, and it would take Buffalo faltering for them too, which obviously is possible. But I just – they're going to have to win – you know, I would think three or four shootouts, you know, in order to do it. They can. Their offense is good enough. Their coach is good enough. Their quarterback's good enough. Their tight end's good enough. But no pass rush whatsoever and letting Houston hang around like that, not a good sign in my mind for where the Chiefs are uh, going forward because they're just the standards, even in a quote-unquote transitional year, that's what Kelsey called it, a few weeks ago, like their standards are still got to win the AFC. They clinched the AFC West today. Uh, that does nothing for them. So that's the congratulations on winning the AFC West, but standards just so much higher there. So anyway, let's go to uh, let's go to Bengals Bucks. So since he had four second half touchdowns, and they're tied with the Niners for the fourth best Super Bowl odds. At plus 750. My question was going to be, do you like them at that price? They have six straight wins. And the team, like as impressed as I've been with Cincy, and as much as I liked them before the year, um, and thought that like all the talk of the regression was ridiculous and just that they could outscore people. Like I've I've largely been right in my handicap of Cincy. And I didn't, I'm mad at myself for not buying low on them because we talked about it, but I never made like a week four, week five, week six uh, future bet on Cincy. But they're tied with the Niners. And so, like, if I was going to make an, an investment right now at a team at seven and a half to one, I would take the team that only has to beat Philly because the rest of the NFC is such crap. I was just, I was surprised to see that a team that has no real, very unlikely to get the one seed 
And so we'd probably have to beat both Buffalo and Kansas City uh, has the fourth best odds to win the whole thing. But it just shows how impressed the odds makers are with Cincy, how much respect Burrow gets, and how absolute dog bleep uh, the NFC is. So, you know, I didn't have much more on this because it's just so ridiculous that Tampa is still in a situation where they're going to end up hosting a playoff game at 6-8 and eight with a negative 41-point differential. Like, this is crazy. Tampa has the worst point differential in the NFC South, yet they're in first place. So, like, all the turnovers, all the injuries, all the distractions, all of that, they are going to be the four seed in the NFC, and it's just kind of sickening, frankly. I'm a huge reseed the playoffs guy, by the way. Like, always have been. To me, winning your division should get you in the playoffs. Like, I get why the NFL wants to keep divisions because they really do have rivalries. Like, there aren't that many regular season NBA rivalries. That's more of a thing between players. Uh, and it exists in baseball, but you have so many games that it's hard for any one game to matter. But, like, the Eagles should play the Cowboys every year. The Bears should play the Packers twice a year. The Chiefs should play the Broncos or the Raiders twice a year. You know, Ravens-Steelers should happen twice a year. Like, I, I like rivalries in the NFL, so winning your division should get you into the playoffs. But I see no reason why Tampa deserves a home game over Dallas. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because they want, why isn't getting in enough? You win your division, you make the playoffs. Congratulations. You're a division champion. You beat, you get bragging rights over your rivals, and you get you get a seat at the table. You get a spot in the tournament. But I have no re I, I don't get why that's the type of thing that you should be able to just you host a game. Tampa, Tampa does not deserve to host a playoff game this year. Sorry, I stumbled there at the end. I was checking my texts. Pony, 30 minutes into the pod. Hey, I passed out. Yeah, well, jump in and jump out. Doesn't matter. Forget it, he's rolling. Um, Okay, Titans Chargers. So we both have uh, Super Bowl bets on the Chargers. So my question was going to be, am I insane for seeing a path where our Chargers Super Bowl bets are not dead, just mostly dead, like that line from Princess Bright? There's a difference between dead and mostly dead so this is where the chargers sit right now after they pulled off that three-point win in a pretty ugly game over the titans they've got at the colts home against the rams at the broncos so they're favorite every game the rest of the way two of three on the road should should win them all honestly like the Chargers could get to eleven and six, right? They're they're eight and six. They've won back to back games. The Ravens, so the, so the Chargers should make the playoffs. Feel very good that the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. But there's a huge difference between being the seven or six seed in the AFC. Got to go to Kansas City, go to Buffalo, go to Cincinnati, depending on how it shapes 
shakes out at the top. And being the five seed, where you go to Tennessee, who's going to win the South? So they got to catch the Ravens, right? Like that's the that's the the the, the play here now for for the Chargers. Can you catch the Ravens? Well, the Ravens, a we know this, they can lose to anybody because they just lost to Cleveland and scored a whopping three points. And they've got Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and at Cincinnati the rest of the way. So do I think the Ravens are going to lose to the Falcons and Desmond Ritter at home? No. Could they lose to Pittsburgh, their division rival? Absolutely. And could they lose in Cincy? Well, yeah, especially if Cincy playing that week for for seeding, which very likely will be. So if the char- if the Chargers go 3 and 0 and the Ravens go 1 and 2, they get the 5 seed and they're the Titans and they get the Titans on the road where the Chargers would be favored and they would have won five straight games at that point. So I'm not saying the Chargers uh I'd like them over the Bills, the Chiefs, or the Bengals necessarily. But we don't know if they're getting Derwin James back. They're being a little cagey about that one. But they are supposed to get Joey Bosa back, and they are supposed to get Rashawn Slater back. That's a franchise left tackle and their best defensive player. So they get those two guys back, plus maybe Derwin James, and we'll see about J.C. Jackson. I don't know. But win out. Go for the five seed, get healthy, five straight wins. And they've got the tiebreaker over the Dolphins, depending on how the Dolphins finish because they won head to head. I feel like the I feel like the Chargers thing is not completely dead because no one would want to play them. They're a scary, scary, scary team. All right, Cardinals, Broncos. My only thing here really, uh, well, I guess two things. Cardinals officially eliminated from the playoffs today, which is hilarious given that they have four wins. Uh, we, we know, but Cliff Kingsbury's gotta be on watch. He's got to just be very, very, very uncomfortable, uh, at four and 10. And they ended actually could end up in a position where they could trade the pick. If someone wants a quarterback, depending on how the rest of their games go. But when it's crazy that Arizona at four and 10, with Kyler suffering a massive injury, like their best news was the report that they think that Kyler will be able to recover in less than eight months from tearing the ligament in his knee. So he'll be ready for opening day. Like that's a tough news cycle for Cardinals fans. Our best news is that our five foot seven mobile quarterback who depends on athleticism should recover fairly fast from knee surgery. Brutal. But the Broncos getting a win Blew the shot at the second pick. Hilarious. Hilarious. Now, I know they don't have the pick, but, like, they can't do anything right. And I know they're trying to win. They don't care about the draft pick. But, like, I'm following that because the Bears now have the inside track to the second pick. And it's just seeming like like everything is poss- that could go wrong is, is going wrong for them. And they win the game when Russell Wilson doesn't play. 
And so I know the draft pick point is kind of silly because it doesn't do anything, any benefit for Denver. So they have no motivation for that. And players always try to win, but just everything about it this season from hell, do you sit Russ in another game? Like, what do you, what do you do? What if you start winning without Russell Wilson? Like that situation is just going to get so damn uncomfortable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I was going to ask Pony because he went to Carolina, probably why he slept through the podcast, um, if it was better than he thought because he thought it was going to be so boring. I'm just happy for my guy, Mitch. Like, Mitch is bad. Mitch is not the brightest bulb in terms of post-snap processing between the ears. He's going to still run out of bounds instead of throwing it away. Like, he, you know, he's not special. But he orchestrated three long sustained touchdown drives you know he didn't crack 185 passing yards in the game but he knows that he got that start there's a scenario where Mitch Trubisky doesn't start an NFL game again depending on like if he goes and goes the Geno Smith route and you know just is the backup for good quarterbacks who don't get injured and then all of a sudden gets out of the league because he's not again he's not like a brilliant football mind or something like that but you know, getting a win when you know that this team's moving on from you for Pickett, having the three touchdown drives, felt good for my guy, Mitch. Then the things from the Saturday games, like, got to say, uh, didn't feel great for Deshaun Watson. One is Cleveland debut, whatever. He scored 13 points. We'll see you next year. Like, the Browns are irrelevant until next year. Kirk Cousins having the biggest comeback in NFL history is hilarious because I think it's weird that Kirk Cousins still gets hit with the primetime Kirk Cousins stuff as if people don't remember that he played that playoff game against the Saints and had that unbelievable fourth quarter throw to Adam Thielen where he caught it inside the five-yard line. I was like, well, once he makes that throw – in prime time, in the playoffs, like we really still think the guy's a choke artist because the game isn't happening at noon central. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is great, but Kirk Cousins is absolutely good enough. Like you don't want him as your franchise quarterback. He's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's good enough to be a starting quarterback. He's good enough to get paid. And if everything around him was right, he could get hot. He could win. He could go on a Joe Flacco, Eli Manning type of run. So, you know, Minnesota, they keep winning too many games to draft a quarterback at the top, partly because Kirk Cousins is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's firmly like the 12th to 15th best quarterback in the NFL. And when you have Thielen and Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, you can win games with that guy. Now, they're unbelievably disappointing still but Kirk Cousins when he gets rolling it's it's oddly fitting that he has the biggest comeback in NFL history and then I just love that Bills game I 
I am on the record as making fun of Pony for going to these NFL games, but and I don't go to Bears games because Soldier Field is a hell site and it's impossible to leave. And I like gambling and fantasy and watching the rest of the NFL and multiple screens and just like plug it into the matrix in that way. So if you go to an NFL game, you miss all the other ones. So the only way I like consider it is it absolutely massive game with, which a with a huge tailgate uh, rare at this point. Um, Thursday night or Monday night football. But that's Saturday night, standalone, Bills-Dolphins game in the snow globe, but there was no wind and it wasn't that cold. Like, that wasn't 10 degrees below zero and miserable. That was 29 degrees with no wind. Like, that's balmy if you got a winter coat, a hat, and a few drinks in you. That looked like one of the most fun NFL environments ever. And there should have been more Dolphins fans throwing snowballs on the field aiming at players so that the penalty would have gone on the bills. Like you had an opportunity to have a real fan moment without getting arrested. Come on, Dolphins fans step up. But that was like visually. I know like snow, like snow is just like the number one thing. I mean, I guess the Cowboys are the number one thing, but snow is probably a close second for a television producer of an NFL game. But man, I was hooked. That was great sports theater. Absolutely fantastic sports theater. So it was weird. I was like, man, there's an NFL game that I actually would like to go to. And then Monday Night Football, Baker Mayfield is a seven-point underdog. That is disrespectful. To be honest, I think the Packers are going to absolutely roll, and Baker found that magic in uh, in some somewhat fluky circumstances as a result of some really bad defensive coaching. But was thrilled for Baker last week. Think the Packers roll, but uh, Baker Mayfield against Aaron Rodgers, two bad teams. Makes that game somewhat watchable on Monday Night Football. All right, thanks to Spencer Ray. If you're still listening, please give Pony some shit uh, on Twitter for for sleeping through it after going to the uh, Panthers-Steelers game. But uh, I'm Danny Parkins. You can check me out in Chicago. But honestly, just if you got an NFL fan in your life who's looking for new podcasts, pass it along. We do every team every week, every game after Thursday night and Sunday night football. We stay up late to record this for you. So you have the most up-to-the-minute information for your Monday morning and Friday morning commute. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's first and pod. Thanks to Spencer Ray for producing. Happy Hanukkah. And uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 